Good morning. So good to worship. I want to, I was talking before, but I want to repeat this. You know, we have been in a sequence of messages and teaching about the Holy Spirit leading to the day of Pentecost. But it has been in my heart for a long time to go back over some of the topics of our website. You know, when we had to redo our website, I, I just felt like including some of the big rocks of what we believe are foundational teachings that we have from the past and moving into this new thing that God is leading us to. You know, but I'm not, you know, in no way going to leave everything behind. I'm going to bring the good and the, the new and the old treasures. That's the, the scribe of the kingdom. He, he brings the, the treasures that are old and new. And one of the treasures that we have in our foundation is worship. And worship is something that, oh man, I, I never thought about this before, but worship is not as much as we giving, but it's us receiving. There are many aspects of worship. One aspect of worship is thanksgiving. One aspect of worship is spiritual warfare. <laughs> You can do spiritual warfare. You put the, the worshipers, the trumpets, in the front of the army, and you go and you defeat the enemies. There's adoration, just standing in awe, like we just did, just standing in silence, in awe of his presence. But I think that without worship, number one, we are nothing. Number one, God is looking for worshipers. David, a man after God's own heart, was a worshiper. And as we are reading the Psalms, there are all types and different topics in the Psalms. You know, some Psalms, he's like just complaining. <laughs> he's mad. You know, some Psalms, it's just like, you can see everybody going to Jerusalem for the peace and singing that psalm together. They are called the Psalms of Ascent. It's like everybody, the congregation, singing together. But one of the aspects of worship is, and this is from our website, we believe in the synergy of corporate worship. We believe that we are told to sing to the Lord a new song. And then you can like do like a search. And how many times it talks about sing to the Lord a new song. So when we come and we worship in the spirit and we have those in-between songs, that's what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to offer to the Lord a new song. A song that nobody has ever sung before. And that you have that moment that you are creating a new song to the Lord. You can sing in your language, in English, Portuguese, Spanish, Hawaiian, or you can sing in the spirit. 
And let the, 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 your whole, the Spirit in you connect with the Holy Spirit and then connect with the Spirit of the Father. And that's where we, we are communicating. So worship is a relationship. Worship is fellowship. Worship is communicating back and forth. It's almost like a download. You know when you, you, you have to download some new app on your phone? You can use worship to receive. And you can also use worship to send back and minister back to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for everything that you have done in my life. You know, so we... we I'm going to read Psalms 95, 1 to 7. Oh, come... Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Never forget this. Our God is a great God. He's a God of above all gods. He's a king of kings. He's the creator of the universe. And in one sense, he doesn't need anything. But he is including us in this relationship with him. He included us already. A great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his. For it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And I, I want to read out of John 4. And this is, uh, that encounter of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. And I never really thought about this before, that worship has to do with the river of living waters flowing from us. First, we have to drink. And first, we have to relate to worship as our ability to receive, like I said, a download from Him and drink from Him, first of all. So I'm going to read this. Uh, I'm going to skip a few verses here. Yeah. Verse 7, John 4, 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. So this in itself was like Christ overreaching the barriers and talking to a woman and talking to a Samaritan woman. No relations there, okay? So that's a sign of how God is. He's bypassing all the walls all the distance to reach out to you, no matter who you are. He started the conversation. He started the relationship with you. 
right? And then the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Put yourself in the place of that woman. You know, maybe it's right. God would have nothing to do with me. But in his grace, he's reaching out and saying, can you give me a drink? But the drink that we can give him is never to be compared to what he can give us to drink. Like worship, a lot of times it's compared to libations. You pour oil in the altar, right? That's your worship. So God is saying, give me a drink. But first, but then he's saying, now if you drink of what I have to give to you, you will never be thirsty again. Are you guys seeing worship here? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gifts God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks the water, this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. That's what God wants. He wants us not to think that we can give him some water, but to drink from the water that he has to give to us. So we become this spring bubbling. That's what I'm look, looking for. I'm looking, Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, is there is no, there's freedom. You know, I, I'm looking for the bubbling experience of freedom in worship. It doesn't need to be loud. It doesn't need to be anything. It just needs to be personal and deep. Right? We have had all the types of worship. Loud. And, and I, I'm looking now to this experience with the Lord. That can be you by yourself or us together. But we are learning how to communicate with the Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit. So she said, please, sir, give me this water. And then it goes on the conversation. You guys can read that later. That does not matter for us right now. And then he continues, believe me, verse 21, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we, the Jews, know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is a spirit. So those who worship him must worship in the spirit and in truth. So this is important because I have my, my, my notes here. Worship is not what we do. Worship is when we come and we communicate with him about what he has already done. The problem and the danger that we face with our human minds, and don't forget that our minds are empty against God, is we try to be in control. And like I said in the beginning, you know, you know like sometimes we think that if we, we worship, we can appease the gods. That's almost like a pagan worship. You know, that we're trying to have a, a good week. So we will, I'm going to go to church and do everything I can to get it right. So God will, you know, send rain and will give us good crops. You know, and that, that's pagan worship. And I want to repent of coming and relating to Father, to God as a pagan God, but as a good Father. He, that he reached out like Jesus to the Samaritan woman saying, I, will, I have something to give you to drink. And then out of that, you can flow that water back to me and you, then you have something to give to me. But we're, we love because we were first loved. Right? So, worship is not what we do, but who we are relating to. So worship has always to start with a revelation of who he is. And this is important because if I have... Have you ever met somebody that you, you were su surprised how nice they were? <laughs> you know, imagine that you, you, you hear about somebody through somebody else and, oh yeah, that person, nah, they are not that nice. You know, and then you personally meet that person. You're like, wow, I was shocked. I was surprised how nice that person is. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for to be shocked with the goodness of the Lord, with the loving kindness of the Lord. I want to I want to be able to let go of the past information and even experiences that I have had with God. I want to get to know him. Like, we, like Job, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my eyes, my own eyes. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that that's what God is looking for. I know that you heard about me. I know that you have some concepts that were passed down to you for over 2,000 years. And a lot of people that heard, met me and talked to me and talked about me. But now I want you to come and meet me. I want you to get to know me. Not through what 
you know, your pastor said, or that other person say, but you coming. Because the, the door is open for everybody. If you think about God as an old, angry God, ready to get rid of you, if you make a mistake, that will impact your worship. Right? If you think, oh my God, if I, last time I barely made it. If I mess up one more time, he's probably going to just be done with me. That's an image of God. And that impacts everything that you think about God and how you relate to God, how you worship God, how you pray to God. It taints the whole relationship. Does it make sense? Like, like this example of you hearing about what this person is and then you only relate through those ideas. And one, one time, you know, John Stevens talked about that word. He said, do you have a false image of God? And he was saying, I, I'm ready to have a memorial service <laughs> to bury my wrong image of God. And that's what I'm doing. Lord, I want to I be able to bury once and for all all my idols that I created in my mind of who you are. If you think God is as an old, angry God, you, you know those pictures of throwing thunders and lightning bolts down, and that's, that was brought into Christianity through Roman and Greek influence. It is not the Hebraic relationship with God. Because the Hebraic relationship with God is, comes from the scriptures that it doesn't matter. Hosea, Israel, over and over again, the prodigal son, he's ready to receive you back. Not because of what you did, not because of what, the way you worship, the way that you... He wants us to relate right. He wants us to love our neighbor. But it's not by our merit that he's opening the door for this relationship for us, with us. We worship in awe, in adoration, with thanksgiving for his unchanging love, for his loving kindness. Like I read here, Micah 7, 18 to 20, who is a God like you? who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnants of his possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. Take a minute and, and think about that. He delights in unchanging love. That's not the way a lot of times I, I related to God. And of that I want to repent. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all of their sins into the depths of the sea. 
You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham. We worship not to convince him to be kind to us. We worship because despite what we do, he is kind to us. Let me read something out of this book here. The danger, this is called Worshipping Trinity by Robin Perry. The danger of making Jesus the sole initiator in salvation is that a very distorted image results when the Father is introduced into the picture. I have met Christians who believe that God the Father simply wanted to punish humanity. This is a true thing. A lot of people say, oh, there are two gods, right? One God of the Old Testament, that he was always angry and judging Israel, and then Jesus. That comes in grace and all about forgiveness. Then we have this misconception about who the Father is. I have met Christians who believed that God the Father simply wanted to punish humanity. But luckily, Jesus loved us and leaped up from his throne saying, Please, Dad, don't punish them. I love them. Punish me inst instead. In this view, the Father agreed to and sent Jesus to the cross in our place. This picture of the cross in which a loving Jesus saves us from a wrathful Father is a nasty distortion of Christian faith. I'm not saying that I always think like that, but sometimes that thought comes, right? <laughs> it's like, wow, I think that, you know, this is happening because God's punishing me. You know, maybe this is happening because I deserve, because I did something wrong. You know, and that, that it is a distortion. Of course, he disciplines, but because he loves and because he receives us sons and daughters. Worship is not about what we can do or offer to the Father, but about what he has already done for us. I think that A lot of times we, we have a tendency to take things for granted. And then we, uh, we think that we, we have something else to do. You know, it's like Paul writing to the Galatians. You know, do you think that you can start in the spirit and then finish in the flesh? Do you think it's by your words that you're going to be able to complete this? No, I think it's by us learning to be in this constant worship, prayer, relationship, waiting on the Lord, you know, meditating on all his goodness. Every time we worship, think about this, every time you worship, 
Remember the Day of Atonement? Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, go through the veil, and offer sacrifice right by the, the Ark of the Covenant. We are reading Hebrews, and we are learning how Jesus Christ, He is the high priest. And He is a sacrifice. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than everything. So when we worship, we come because He already went to the presence of the Father. And right now, He's there interceding for you and me. And right now, He's also continuing this offering of worship and submission and obedience to the Father. And we, when we come, we are enacting the Day of Atonement. Nobody had to do anything. They were only watching from outside, from out their tents, looking to the tabernacle and looking at the, the glory of God and the high priest going in and making that offering and being accepted. He made the offering. He was accepted. And when we worship, when we take communion, when we pray, that's why we are reminding ourselves that we were included because He did it for us. The day, every time, every time we take communion, let me read one more thing here. Jesus is in heaven right now, worshiping and praying to the Father. Christian worship is nothing more nor less than the Spirit enabling us to join in with Christ's worship of the Father. Christian prayer is nothing more nor less than the Spirit enabling us to join in with Christ's prayer to the Father. It changes everything. It changes because it's like if I drink of what I can pull out of the well, what I can do myself, my own abilities, I'm going to be always thirsty and always going to run short. But if I learn to worship and learn to drink in the spirit and in truth, then I want to see that, those bubbling waters and never be thirsty again. The history of Israel is like a cycle that we have the same tendency to repeat. They were redeemed from Egypt and they were given the Torah, the, the scriptures, and they said, this is what you're going to do. And then they would go and create images, create idols, and worship those idols. And then God had to come and deal with them. And then they would learn, okay, we're not going to do that again. And then the next generation would do the same thing. And because it is our, almost like our tendency to, we want to be God. 
We want to be in control. We want to be able to do something. So I'm going to read these verses from Isaiah because that's what the prophet was dealing with in, with Israel. And this is what God was talking to them. You can read the whole chapter, Isaiah 1. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. It's pretty strong, right? I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of daring them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as the snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. So he was saying, do not worship me as the pagans worship their gods. All I'm asking you is to be clean in your heart and to take care of one another. So we, we, we come and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for you being the perfect mediator of this new covenant. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit for bringing us and including us so that we can worship you in the spirit and in truth. We bless this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good to study about worship and get to know who we are worshiping. Worship is a relationship. And you cannot, if you are worshiping a false image, you're worshiping an idol. So we better get to know who he is so that we can worship the way that he is for us. Amen. Amen. We have a song that I love, and I was thinking about that this morning. It's Our Eyes Now See. And that's what, one of the promises that he was going to give us a new heart. He was going to give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to comprehend. And that's part of the new covenant. And I'm saying, Lord, thank you for your grace. And thank you for leading us all the way to today and bringing us together this morning. But we want to know you. You know, this is like another foundation of this place is a hunger. A hunger for God. A hunger for the Word. 
you know, and a hunger to be actually walking in the word that you have given us. And we, we, we do that. Amen.